friends, you have now entered the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by our awesome friends from High V and Toyson Ford. I am your host, Dan Casper, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk some Brewers. Brewers back in first place for now. We're going to talk a little Bucks NBA free agency coming up here in a matter of days. I got a little something to get off my chest about uh, the narrative surrounding the Green Bay Packers. Plus, I got a little got a little nostalgia feeling this past weekend with uh, my kid's six year old birthday, and from a purchase I just made. A little decor. We're kind of revamping, redoing the man cave here a little bit. So I'm going to tell you about that. But first, we're going to lead off the podcast. Uh, the, this episode of the podcast, catching up. On a little Brewers chat. Brewers. Brew crew taking the W last night. And thanks to the Baltimore Orioles picking up a win against the Cincinnati Reds. The Milwaukee Brewers are back in first place by a half a game in the NL Central. As we are approaching the halfway mark here on the regular season for the Brewers after this uh, after this series against the Mets. They will be approaching that, uh, that halfway mark here. So... Well, I know we're going to get uh, close to the uh, close to the uh, trade, getting a little bit close to the trade deadline. Don't want to kind of talk about August yet, since we're not in July quite bit, quite quite yet. We're getting there, but got the All Star break coming up uh, here in a couple weeks and such. But uh, Brew Crew hanging around, hanging around right now, maybe making things a little bit more difficult in terms of decisions that uh, that the front office has to make for the Brewers if they're still in contention, if they're in first place by, you know, we were talking a little bit about it last week. They've got three series against the Cincinnati Reds in July with that final one ending on July 26th. And the Brewers, if they're still in first place, are right at it within a game, half game and such. What do you do in terms of at the, at the trade deadline? But uh, right now, Brewers are putting themselves in a position to still contend and, and push for for a playoff spot right now 41 and 37 uh overall as we said half game over cincinnati the cubbies though three games back from uh from the brew crew should probably pay attention or kind of eye up that uh that series next week fourth of july series four games at home in milwaukee against uh against the cubbies so i mean we've got some interesting Interesting division games, and, and you look at the Pirates. Who the Pirates now just fought, they're five and a half back. I mean, what was it last week? Two weeks, maybe not even two weeks ago, they were in first place. It was the battle between the the Brewers and the Pirates for first place in the Central, and now they're five back. They're just one and nine in their last ten games. Pittsburgh struggling, struggling big time. And well, St. Louis just still kind of doing their thing, still eight and a half back. Uh, from, from the division, but last night it was it was Colin Ray, one of the storylines for for the Brew Crew. His longest outing of the season, his longest outing since when he was with the Padres and he went up against the Mets a few years ago. But uh, Colin Ray giving the crew six and a third innings, 
of, of work, three strikeouts, one walk, one earned run. And it was just kind of for the longest time last night looking like one of those games where runs were going to be hard to come by for the uh, for the Brewers. You know, Mets putting up putting up one run in the bottom of the fourth and thinking, is that going to be enough? And Justin Verlander is going to help lead the Mets to, to a W in game one against the, the Brew Crew. But thanks to Joey Weimer and his dinger, in the uh, in the sixth inning there, that was that was enough, and the bullpen was able to to lock it down for the final outs, final couple innings of the game last night, and give Colin Ray a much deserved much deserved win last night. Guy pitched like a winning pitcher; he deserved that win. But uh, Craig Council saying afterwards, he pitched a really nice game. He has had some good starts for us. Certainly tonight was as good as any of them. He got us into the seventh, which was. Excellence. Colin Ray also sent mentioning that uh, he, he was attacking early and such, kind of going after the strike zone early. Um, he said uh, afterwards, I felt confident out there, and uh, Contreras did a good job behind the plate. I felt we were executing, especially the fastball on both sides of the plate. We were able to get the balls away from the righties and go in on the lefties when we needed to. We changed speeds as well. And it wasn't until that fourth inning when the Mets got their first hit off of Colin Ray last night. It wasn't until that fourth inning there. So Brewers picking up that uh, game one victory in New York against the Mets. And now we got a game two tonight. Julio Tehran on the mound for the crew. Two and two with a 1.53 ERA, one of the bright spots so far of this season. Late addition because of all the injuries to the starting rotation, and Julio Tehran has not disappointed. He's coming off of a no decision against the Diamondbacks back on the 21st, where he went five innings, two hits. Uh, that He did have some issues with, with walks in that game after we kind of jinxed him, saying, hey, this guy's averaging just a skosh under a walk per game. And, well, then he goes out there and walks four, but uh, did have three strikeouts, nowhere in runs there. But uh, overall, this season, 2-2 two and two with that 1.53 ERA and six games started. Can he continue his great run so far this season for the Brewers and help lead this crew to another victory tonight? Well, on the other side of the mound, it's going to be David Peterson, who has struggled this year for the Mets, just 1-6 with a one point, uh, or excuse me, 1-6 with an 8.08 ERA and eight games started. Now you're looking at those numbers, and it's like, oh yeah, come on, offense, let's let's tee off on this. His last game, though, wasn't uh, so he's coming back to to the rotation here, but uh, wasn't until uh, was uh, at at uh, Washington and such, but back in May, but he's a lefty, he's a lefty, and that's what probably makes things a little bit nervous if you are a Brewers fan and going up against a left-handed pitcher so which one's gonna which one's gonna what's gonna win out is it the fact is it the met thrown out a left-handed pitcher or is it brewers going up against a pitcher who has who has struggled so far this year i think i don't know if numbers necessarily matter a whole lot to some brewers fans i'm sure they're probably you know, looking at the fact that he is a left-handed pitcher, it's like, uh, crap. Is this offense gonna 
struggle again, even though this pitcher's been struggling. He's getting recalled from AAA for, for this start. Is he going to he gonna go out there and pitch a gem just because he's a left-handed pitcher? That's creeping in my mind. You know, I don't care that he's one and six. Did I say one and eight earlier? If I said one and eight earlier, I apologize. One and six. But I don't care that he's one and six with that eight point oh eight ERA. It's creeping in my mind. It's in my mind that the fact that he's a left-handed pitcher, this team is gonna is gonna struggle with him, and, and they're gonna make it look like he's, you know, a solid pitcher out there. It's it's just in my mind, and I'm sure it's I'm not the only one that's thinking it's like. Oh, this team who has struggled consistently against left-handed pitchers are going to go out there and make this guy look good. And I'm not trying to knock the kid or, or knock the, the player or anything like that, but it's like, okay, I mean, come on now. Guy obviously has been struggling this year. He's coming back from AAA. Let's just get after him right away. Let's just let's just get at you know, put up some hits, be aggressive early, shake him a little bit. And let's put up some runs early. Get him a little bit rattled. I don't know if the crew can do that tonight. I hope so. I hope they can. But when you're looking at, you know, some of the uh, the experience between these two, and you're looking at uh, Peterson here, you got, I mean, some of the players have at least uh, a couple games worth of experience against him. Willie Adamas is 333 and six at-bats. Uh, Brian Anderson's hitting 400. And, and five at-bats. Christian Yelich is just 167 and, and six at-bats. And then you got you know some players with, with a couple at-bats here or there. On the flip side, with Julio Tehran, who you know obviously spent some years in the NL East and such with the Braves, he's got a little bit more experience. Sterling Marte is uh, 185 and 27 at-bats against him. Uh, Pete Alonso in seven at-bats has had some success in those just a couple games worth of at-bats. Seven at-bats and two home runs. For a 714 average, McNeil is in 13 at bats, 385. So you got uh, you got some dudes with uh, double digit experience at bats going up against uh, Julio Tehran tonight. But you know, I just and, and Tehran is again. It seems like he has been the pitcher, and I'm not saying he's the only one. There's been other pitchers too that haven't had a whole lot of run support, and it's kind of been on the short end of that stick. But it feels like. Julio Tehran, more than any other Brewers pitcher so far this year, has been on the short end of the stick of like going out there and pitching some really good games and having a lot of quality starts. In fact, almost every single start of his has been a quality start, but he hasn't had the run support to go out there and pick up those W's because that's you know what a lot of us just pay attention to is, is win-loss records when it comes to, to pitchers. That narrative is starting to change. It started to change the last couple of years and so. But it's still out there. You still look at the wins and the losses when you look at a pitcher. And Julio Julio has been the guy that has been on the, you know, hasn't gotten a whole lot of run support in a lot of his, his starts out there. So that's where I want this Brewers offense to go out there today. You're, you're going up against a guy. Yes, it's a left-handed pitcher. Us fans can kind of like, uh, you know, roll your eyes and like, oh, boy, another left-handed starting pitcher. So this team's going to struggle. We can think about that, but the players can't think about that. They can't go into that game thinking, oh, boy, left-handed pitcher. We're, we've been struggling with them. We're, we're, we're going to struggle again today. I'm not saying they are. They just they can't let it creep in there. We can worry about that. That's our job as fans to worry about that. But go out there and be aggressive. Be aggressive against this guy. Be aggressive against Peterson. 
put some bats on balls, get some guys on base right away, put up some runs early, and let's give Julio Tehran plenty of run support. All right? He's been a nice bright spot for this ball club since he joined up just a couple of months ago. And he's filled in and done a job way over expectation than I think what Brewers had and especially what, what Brewers fans had. So let's go out there and give him the run support that he deserves. And let's let's rattle this David Peterson right away. Let, let's rattle him here a little bit. You know, he's started eight games so far this year. Pitched in 39 innings. So, I mean, that's a... Uh, it's about five innings, just a skosh under five innings, average per outing. And I'm looking at his last three outings here where he went 0 for 3. And that last one coming in the middle of, of May, he went five innings, but he gave up six earned runs on nine hits. Before that, against Cincinnati, three and a third, seven hits, four earned runs. Before that, Atlanta, five innings, four earned runs. So I mean this guy's this guy's giving up runs. Yet maybe he's figured something out in triple A and such. But let's let's remind him what he was doing earlier this year. Let's let's just let's go at him. Let's go at him. And he did face the Brewers back on April fifth. April fifth, yeah, April fifth. Picked up the no decision in that game. And maybe this is what will give the Brewers a little bit of confidence. Just maybe. I mean, it was April, so it was a couple months ago. But he did go up against Milwaukee, picked up a no decision in that one, but he pitched four innings and gave up five earned runs. Five earned runs. Struck out, uh, struck out five, but also walked five. So, I mean, everything was like five for him outside the innings. Four innings, five hits, five earned runs, five walks, five strikeouts. So... And even in his win, even in David Peterson's win, which was back on April 17th against the Dodgers, he gave up three home runs and six earned runs. Even in his only win, his best start was probably his first start back on March 31st against Miami. He picked up the loss. But he went five innings, gave up eight hits, one home run, and that was the one earned run. Uh, struck out five and only issued one walk. That was his best outing, if you're looking at in terms of like earned runs. How many how many runs went across? The next one might be against the Padres. The lowest number of earned runs was, was against the Padres back on April 11th when he went five and two-thirds, gave up six hits and, and two earned runs, and another loss. So, I mean, you got, I would say, two quality starts there that he gets charged with a loss on there when he only you know, gave up one earned run and two earned runs in each of those games. Okay, so take away those two. He's maybe at a, given with no decision, maybe at a one and four. We're, we're making it pretty generic. But every other outing, he has given up five earned runs, six earned runs, seven earned runs, four earned runs, four earned runs, six earned runs. So let's be aggressive and get at him early and put the pressure on him. Let's get some runs across the board here. Do that. Rattle him here a little bit. 
and give that support to Julio Tehran tonight. I mean, even his opponent's batting average. Woo. Month of April, 286. Couple games in May, 421. Even in that uh, first game in March, 381. It's an opportunity. I don't care that he's a left-handed pitcher. It's an opportunity for this crew to put up some runs and pick up a game two victory tonight. First pitch, seven, uh, oops, six, uh, six ten. Six ten, uh, tonight. Let's take a quick break and up next, let's talk a little box. Free agencies coming up. Who are they rumored to be possibly interested in? We'll tell you after this quick break. All right. Bucks. NBA.com. Uh, you know, we got free agency week here. Free agency officially opens up on uh, June 30th. And they've got a piece up. You can check it out if you want to see the whole top 10 there. But in terms of just the box, they've got an article up that says, uh, you know, the 10 most intriguing, uh, intriguing free agents. And on that list is Brooke. Lopez, and then they've got Brooke Lopez listed at uh, at number ten here. So what what they got wrote up here for for Brooke Lopez, and it really makes the case here too that uh, you know Bucks probably should you know should they seriously consider maybe shelling out a little bit more money and making sure that he doesn't leave town here. Uh, and this is on the heels too that there, there's rumors out there that uh, the Bucks are interested in in, in Kevin Love and and uh, Terrence Ross and, and Derek Rose, which is like, well, weird. We've heard those names, you know, for the last how many years here? But when it comes to to Brooke Lopez here, they say Lopez. Our surgery kept Lopez out of the 2021-22 uh, season for for most of it, but he came back this year, and we kind of highlighted this. Uh, uh, before too, but he came back this year at the age of 34, played in 78 games, and was the Kia Defensive Player of the Year runner-up, and had the most efficient scoring season of his 15-year career. There will be cheaper options at center on the market, but Lopez has been a huge part of the Bucks' success, and they can't afford to take a step backward now. The only question is, is if new head coach Adrian Griffin wants to switch things up and go with a smaller more mobile rotation. The Bucks allowed, here's a nugget for you, the Bucks allowed 6.4 fewer points per 100 possessions with Lopez on the floor than they did with him off the floor. That was the biggest differential for a full-time starter who played at least 1,000 minutes. Now again, Adrian Griffin is a, quote, defensive-minded head coach. Brooke Lopez last year finished second in the Defensive Player of the Year awards. We just went through that nugget. 6.4 fewer points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. Best in the league. So it almost feel like a guarantee. You bring in a defensive-minded head coach, perhaps one of your best defensive players, and Brooke Lopez, why wouldn't you bring him back? It's all going to be based off the money. Could a team like the Rockets go in there and spend a little bit more? Because that's the team that's been rumored to potentially be in on Lopez. A team that's not necessarily a contender this year, but it just takes that one team. Could they go over there and just make Lopez an offer that he can't refuse? It's all going to be dependent on what, what Lopez wants, too. I think he wants to stay in Milwaukee, but at the same time, 
He's nearing the end of his career. He's got a championship ring. What? Where's his priorities at? Is it, hey, you know what? I'm coming off of a good season. This is my last chance to cash in. Not many people at my age are in this op, uh, in this position with an opportunity to sign a deal, make some good money for the next couple of years here, and then sail off into the sunset. I got my championship. I got some extra money now. Life is good. Or is it comfortability? Does he want to stay in Milwaukee, maybe take a little bit of less? He's comfortable with, with that team and could still win potentially a championship. It's all going to be dependent on what Brooke Lopez, I think, wants to do. I think the Bucks want him back, but can they give him the biggest deal out there? I have questions on that. I don't know if they can. I don't think they can. So how high of a priority is it going to be for the Bucks to bring back Brooke Lopez? It sure sounds like you know, priority 1A is, is bringing back Chris Middleton. I think they would love to bring back both Middleton and Lopez. But if they do that, where's the money at for the rest of the depth on this team? All right, tell you what, quick break, and then something's bugging me a little bit about uh, a narrative that's going around surrounding the, the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to get it off my chest after these quick words. With all the running around you've been doing so far to Little League games and quick weekend road trips, are you starting to realize it's time to get a new vehicle? Where do you start, though, since buying a new vehicle is a very big decision in your life? Well, take some of the stress off and make your decision easy by visiting Toys and Ford in Chippewa Falls. Family-owned and operated, you can trust Toys and Ford when it comes to finding that new vehicle for you that fits in your budget but also gets you to where you need to go. Having a proper vehicle to get you to those Little League games and family get-togethers is important, and Toys and Ford knows that just visit toys and ford today you know yesterday elton jenkins packers offensive lineman you know kind of making some of the some of the rounds and such and he was on uh he was on good morning football yesterday and and talking about uh you know his team and obviously with with no aaron Rodgers, uh he said the packers you know the you know they'll miss him just his presence quote just his presence in the locker room and the things that he brings to the game the experience, all the stories that he had to tell and all that. He's going to be missed in our locker room for sure. But uh, he also went on to say, uh, talk about Jordan Love. When he first got in the league, he wasn't our starter. But the way that he walked around the locker room, the way that he approached the game, he always approached every game as a starter. So we know that he's a good player and just ready to go on Sunday or whenever we play. In OTAs, I've seen a lot of good things from Jordan, a lot of leadership, he stepped up as a leader a lot, and so I'm very excited for his future and ready to go play for or play with him. Winning the division is always a standard. It's always a standard in our locker room and in our building. We feel like we're the best team in our division, and we're going to go out there every week, wherever, and show that we are the best team in the division and the best team in the NFC. Now, I you know, and this was also yesterday. I'm not sure where this was kind of all coming from, but the Packers, Packers also posted this. It was a uh, a quote, kind of picture sort of thing, and it was from Aaron Jones, and it, he says, and he's talking about Jordan Love, and the Packers had tweeted out unwavering support for Jordan Love. So I'm not sure if this was just like a thing going on yesterday now i'll be honest you know i wasn't paying attention to social media a whole lot yesterday doing some other stuff with the kid and that but 
you know, quote from Aaron Jones saying he did it the right way. He waited his time, and you never heard one peep or complaint out of him. We all love Jordan here, and he has everyone's full respect. And we're all going to lay it on the line for him. And it seems like the Packers have been kind of a, I don't know, hot topic the last few days or so, even from, from the national sense. Uh, you had, was it uh, was it Greg Rosenthal from the NFL Network kind of saying, you know, hey, don't sleep on the Packers and, and that sort of thing. Now you had like uh, uh, Dan Orlovsky from, from ESPN kind of saying, hey, Packers are a playoff team. Lot just you know, kind of again depends on the the play of of Jordan Love and such. So, I mean, it seems like this is all going in waves here, like you know, like the ocean wave or something like that, where it's like ah, you got the lows of everybody saying the Packers are going to stink. Now it's like back up going to a high where you've got now you got some national peeps out there saying, hey, they're, they're a playoff team, they're a playoff team. Where you're overlooking them, you're not you're not paying enough attention to them. And you know, Orlovsky even saying absolutely they can. The, the Packers can be players in, in the NFC. And again, with the caveat, if Jordan Love is good. And I guess, you know, for me, I was thinking about this late last night, a little bit again earlier this morning, you know, about green and gold and about the Packers and such. And it's like, you know, so many people are so down on on, on this team. And I get it because you lose Aaron Rodgers and now you go to, to Jordan Love and, and that sort of thing. But remember, Green Bay stunk last year too. With, with Aaron Rodgers. They got off to a good start, but then they stunk. And whether it was because Aaron Rodgers' thumb injury was affecting him more or whatever was going on, they still stunk. They didn't make the postseason. And, you know, for all of these pundits, these, these national pundits, or even, like, regular fans, I might be in the minority on this thing here, but I, you know, with everybody setting the bar so low for Green Bay, you know, just like what odds are they still going to finish last in the division if you're a betting person, you're Vegas or, or whatever sort of thing. If I'm a player that's not named Jordan Love, I'm using that as my personal motivation because essentially what that is saying, what the world is telling you right now is that you guys weren't big reasons why, you know, last few years you went to a couple NFC championship games, you were a couple plays away maybe from going to the Super Bowl in the COVID year. You know, you weren't the big reason. It was because of Aaron Rodgers. It was, it was because of Aaron Rodgers. That that was the reason. And apparently the only reason that they were 8-9 last year was because, again, it was a banged-up Aaron Rodgers that got you there. If if I'm a player, if I'm if I'm another player on this team who's been with the ball club for the last few years or for the last couple of years, I'm using that as my motivation. And maybe it's grasping at straws a little bit. But what the world is telling you, essentially, is that you – you weren't a big part of this ball club, and you're not a big part of this ball club. It's all dependent on the quarterback, and I get it. You you cannot win in this league without good quarterback play, without really good quarterback play. It's the most important position in all of sports. But if I'm if I'm like an Aaron Jones, if I'm like uh, you know not one of those defensive players or, or whatever that's been around for the last few years, if I'm a, if I'm a Preston Smith, if I'm a Kenny Clark, if I'm a Jair Alexander. You know those type of players. What I'm, I'm seeing all this talk out there because everybody's like talking about Jordan Love and the Packers will only do what Jordan Love can do, and and I get it and I understand it and this that the other thing. But if I'm one of those other players, I'm like, okay. So what you're saying is we had no say. We had no, you know, our play didn't help get our ball club to those NFC Championship games 
to those playoff appearances. All right, I see what you're saying. I get it. I'm going to use that as motivation now to prove you all wrong. There's no doubt the defense has to step up their play more this year. There's no doubt young guys on the offense like Reed and a Musgrave, who Elton Jenkins in that interview yesterday spoke glowingly about. There's no doubt those guys have to play a lot early, be contributors contributors early in their careers, early in their seasons. But if I'm if I'm one of those guys who's been around for a few years, I'm using that as motivation. Because we know everybody's like, oh, you know, you know, chip on your shoulder, blah, 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 crap. Everybody does it. Everybody's used it at a certain point, whether it's been in sports, whether it's been in their everyday lives, their jobs, or, or whatever. You've used something for motivation. You've gravitated towards something for, for motivation. And if I'm one of those veterans that's been around for the last few years, I'm looking at all those people saying Green Bay ain't nothing anymore. Be like, huh. All right, so we had nothing to do. We weren't we weren't important players. We weren't pivotal players for for the last few years here, huh? All right, I'm going to use that as motivation and prove you guys wrong. We're going to help Jordan Love, but all the time and and the and fans and and the national media and regular media, you know, we're we're already kind of setting Jordan Love up for failure by putting like all this pressure on him. And again, I get it because he's the quarterback, and that comes with the territory. But we're already instantly setting him up for failure because if he doesn't, you know, go out there and play well, or he doesn't just you know give glimpses of what the future could be, it's going to be a failure, and it's already a failure to so many fans already right now about Jordan Love because they're not sold on him. And I get it if you're not a big fan of him, that's fine. But to go out and already kind of declare him as a failure or he's not going to work out just stop you can have your you can have your your you know your doubts you're like ah, just I'm not sold on him yet I don't know we haven't we have truth is we haven't seen enough we haven't seen enough we haven't we've, what one game one and a half game not even a game and a half let's see a full season under here let's come on I mean we're already setting the guy up for failure I mean, he's get he's getting set up, and he's that's the main question. Everybody's kind of already putting the tag on him, and it's like Green Bay will only go as far as as Jordan Love will lead him. And I get it; you need good quarterback play. You need really good quarterback play to go far, to get to the postseason, to even win the Super Bowl. But this team has talent in other positions, in other areas, offensively, defensively. Don't just all of a sudden ignore what they've got over there. I'm not saying this team's going to be a Super Bowl contender or, or even make the playoffs or anything like that. But it's just kind of, you know, reading or, or seeing these last headlines and these interviews and these quotes for the last month and a half. And, you know, seeing these waves of like, yeah, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league because, you know, quarterback position. Or now it's like, hey, this team could be, you know, don't sleep on them. They're they're they can make the playoffs. They can make the they'll they'll catch a lot of you. The the waves of all this talking is up and down, and we're finally you know now less than a month away from from training camp, and we'll actually have some football and and all that stuff to really kind of hone in on. But it's just like, I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. 
And, like, if I'm one of those guys that's been around for the last few years with this ball club, like a Kenny Clark or even a David Bakhtiari, who I know his buddy, his BFF is Rodgers, or, or an Elton Jenkins or a Jair or, you know, whoever else that's been around for a few years, I'd be like, all right. 12 was the only player that made this thing go. Okay. I see what you're saying. We're going to prove you differently. We're going to prove you differently. 12 was a great player. Rodgers was a fantastic player for a long time. But we're going to prove to you that he wasn't the only reason we were making the playoffs, getting to NFC Championship games. He wasn't the only reason. We're going to show you this year. This is the year for other players to make names for themselves. You want to prove to the world, you want to prove to the rest of the NFL world that you're one of the best players, that you are one of the best players in your position group across the league, that you are a talented player, you've got no better opportunity than this year. No better opportunity than this year. You don't have a future Hall of Fame quarterback kind of taking all of the the credit and and the attention and, and, and that sort of thing. And again, I get it. It's the quarterback position. It comes with the territory. We're all guilty of that. But one of those players on defense or even offense this year, not many have been around on the offensive side for the last few years besides offensive line and Aaron Jones and such. But this is the opportunity for you this season to go out there and make a name for yourself, to prove to the world that, yeah, we are a bigger part of this team. We've, we, are, we are a big reason why this team has been successful outside of last year. I hope they, they use that as motivation a little bit. I hope some of those players use that as motivation. But, you know, when it all comes, when it's all said and done, yeah, a lot of this season is going to be determined by the quarterback play. We went through, was it last week, two weeks ago? Top five reasons why Green Bay will surprise people. One of mine, my top one was Jordan Love. Top five reasons why the Packers will not be successful this year. Jordan Love. Jordan Love is the ultimate wild card in this whole thing. But he's not the only player that will determine the success or the failure of this season either. He's not. He's a big one, but he's not the only one. You can factor in the coaching and and the coaching staff and play callers and all that sort of stuff on there too. But this is the season. This is the season. Defense, you want to make a name for yourself. You want to get out of the shadow of what has been, you know, the Packers offense and Packers quarterback play for the last, oh, 12, 13, how many years it's been since that 2010 Super Bowl run. You want to get out of that shadow and you want to prove that, all right, we're a big reason why the success, this is your year. Anybody else, this is your year. Go prove it. Go prove it and shut us all up. Shut people up. Last break, and then I got a little nostalgia feeling over the weekend. Sounded like Christopher Walken there a little bit. I'll tell you what that was after these quick words. 
Summertime is a busy and expensive season. Get-togethers, vacations, road trips, cookouts, which also means lots of shopping for supplies. So why not make your shopping easier and cheaper on your pocketbook this summer so that you can enjoy it more? Seems like a no-brainer, right? But where do you go? Hy-Vee! From the best prices in the produce area to the best selection in the meat department in a huge wine and spirits area, Hy-Vee has you covered for this summer. Make Hy-Vee your go-to summer stock-up store and enjoy your summer this year. So to wrap up this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, I'm going to take you down a little memory lane, maybe a little nostalgia feeling here. And there's a question I have for for all of you listening right now that I would love to get your responses from. You can hit me up on Twitter at D-A-N-K-A-S-P-E-R, uh, Facebook.com slash Casper Sports, uh, whatever's, you know, a video or not a video, but a, a audio message. That's what I was trying to say. Audio message. You got the link in the podcast description over there. But uh, so this past weekend was my uh, my kid's six-year-old birthday. And uh, one of the gifts we kind of combined with some family members and such, and we got him a Switch, you know, the handheld video game. He's really into Mario right now, Super Mario. So it was, you know, kind of something he wanted. But we kind of got together because it's it's an expensive item. So we got together with some family members and pooled in and, and got him got him his Switch. And I remember it. Got, here's my first little nostalgia feeling. So I remember sixth grade, my, or not sixth grade, but my sixth birthday. Okay, uh, that's when Game Boy was a thing. Okay, but I wanted a Game Boy, but I didn't want Tetris. And and a lot of those Game Boys, when you bought it with a game included, it came with Tetris. And I didn't want Tetris. I just no, that that wasn't for me. It was was not my thing. And lo and behold, my sixth birthday, I opened up and I got a Game Boy from my grandma. And what my grandma did, she found a Game Boy that did not come with Tetris. It came with Zelda. Remember the game Zelda? So I still remember my sixth birthday because of that. It was one of the highlights and one of my favorite birthdays because, well, I got my Game Boy and I got Zelda. And it was all because of my grandma being able to find that. So now my son turned six or turned six years old and he gets you know this I guess it's the this year's version or this kid's version of a Game Boy it's a Switch and it came with he got to pick uh, between three Mario games it came with on there so he got a Mario game with it too and he's into Mario right now so kind of got a little flashback of of me there but then a couple days later we went to a uh, local uh, card shop a uh, local card shop here in in town and um so because he collects cards okay and i said well you know on his because it was that actual birthday was just the other day but we had his party and opening gifts um you know a couple days beforehand heading into the uh into the weekend so you know uh, we went to the card shop for his uh for his birthday ultimate authentics it's called so uh, he got his cards. He picked up some cards, and and we're checking out. and And I looked to my left, and in the display case that they had on the wall was my very first Madden video game, and it was for Game Boy. It was Madden '95. It was Madden '95, and you know it was uh, shortly after Madden passed away, and you know everybody's kind of telling their Madden stories, their favorite Madden game, their first Madden game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I had looked on eBay, and I had thought about 
you know, just getting the Madden 95 game and kind of having it display in my man cave because that was my first Madden 95 or it was my first Madden game and, and, and all that. And I, and I never did, but so I saw it sitting there and it was for sale and I'm like, okay, it's just like, it's like the nostalgia gods are telling you to like, dude, Dan, get that thing. And it was just like this last fall, my wife's grandparents were, were moving and they're cleaning up their house and they found a Game Boy. So I'm like, oh, we're going to take that. Haven't even tried it. Don't even know if the thing works. But we got a Game Boy in the house. And now I've got Mad 95. So I'm going to try it, you know, see if everything works out. But if, at the very least, it'll be on display in the Man Cave because that was my first Madden game. It was my first Madden game. Madden 95. I still remember it to this day. It was kind of my introduction on formations, pro sets, you know, defensive formations, crossing routes, I formation all that, that that was my first introduction to play calls and 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 like I said formations and that and I still remember as like I would always be like the NFC Pro Bowl team because if you tried to be the Packers and you try to hand the ball off no offense to Edgar Bennett but like their rating systems were so like it was I I'd be curious to figure out how they did this because if you tried to hand the ball off to Edgar Bennett you were lucky if you gained a yard or two because it. I can picture it to this day. It's like this little guy, like his legs are turning, his legs are turning, but he's not going anywhere. It's like inching just slowly back to the line of scrimmage. Yet you have Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith. It's like they're off the races and nobody can catch those guys. You're gaining like 10 yards per rush. And I remember, you know, in the NFC All-Stars, it was Michael Irvin and, and Jerry Rice as your wide receivers crossing route or just go deep every single time with those guys i remember that game like i was playing it in the backseat of the car as a kid already to this day so i can't wait to kind of plug it in see if it still works and everything but like i said at the very least it's going to be on display in in the man cave now because that's my first madden game so i guess what what i'm getting at here is for your question that i'm uh, i'm curious to get some responses on what was your first madden game or do you remember your first video game now, I'm not a big video gamer anymore, and, you know, back as a kid, yeah, I had I had Madden 95 and Game Boy. I remember I had a Quarterback Club, I think it was 96. Is that the one that Steve Young was on the cover? Blitz with Cordell Stewart uh, on there. You know, I had some basketball games and, and that sort of thing, but Game Boy was like my first video game system. We, you know, my grandma had a Nintendo because it was my, you know, got it used and that sort of thing. We had an Atari because, you know, back when... My aunts and aunt were, were younger and had it. But for me personally, my very first video game system was a Game Boy. It was a Game Boy. And then I got uh, Sega and all that sort of stuff later on and such. But, and then Madden 95 was my first sports video game. So kind of, I guess, a few questions we could go about this. Do you remember your first sports video game? Do you remember your first video game system? Or do you remember your first video game or anything like that? Or your first Madden game? So I'm throwing a few of them out there. Because I know some may not, you know, like, well, I remember my first sports game. I don't remember my first Madden or anything like that. So I'm throwing out a few different uh, questions out there. But hit me up. Like, what was your first Madden? What was your first sports video game or your first, like, video game system? How about those three? Okay. Hit me up, like I said, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, whatever uh, whatever social media platform works best for you. Or leave that voice message. You can get that link in the podcast description, okay? The main podcast page, the link is at the bottom of that podcast description there. So, But that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper. Until next time, I'll see you 
in the man cave. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.